Hello and welcome back to CoBytes, sponsored by Search 5.0. And today we're excited to be joined by Liam Bowenham. Liam made the move to London a number of years ago, probably more than you'd like to admit, um, from good old Ireland, and has since head up a number of technology teams across the likes of financial services and within the defence sector, and is currently the CTO with DSST. DSST are a mobile health platform to track and manage all aspects of your health and the health of your family. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks for having me, Stephen. I'm very excited to be to hopefully impart some experience or stories about my journey as a uh, software or a technologist. Absolutely. This should make a really good conversation, Liam, which um, I'm looking forward to. Liam, we always kick off. If you can just give us an overview of your experience to date and maybe for those that don't know, give us uh, a bit more information on DSST. Sure. My journey into technology was, it probably started very, very young age. I grew up on a farm, miles from the nearest streetlight. Growing up on a farm is great childhood, but a pretty boring teenage years. But I spent my childhood running around farm, hammer in hand. And I think what that has given is a very practical bent, a problem-solving bent to life experience. And I think that sort of set me up to have a STEM or engineering mindset. And in secondary school, I discovered physics, and that seemed to be far more interesting than mechanical engineering, unfortunately. And I went on and did an undergraduate, a double major in physics and computer science. What I would say is that's not a unique, that's not a unique childhood, I would say, but I was always very interested in STEM. And I would say for any, on any person doing a, thinking on embarking on a career in software, uh, engineering and technology, I would say your undergraduate degree matters less than you would think. As, as long as you have, if I would say STEM gives you a great advantage, but if you're doing chemistry, if you're doing maths, if you're doing biology or engineering, the door to being in software is not closed by any means. You have, you have the fundamental skills to do it. So that was, so I would say I, would, I was set up to always be some sort of engineering or technologist. And I then moved to London to further my physics education. And I went to Imperial College and I did a PhD in physics. And then I bought a car and it all went downhill from there. Like, like, many, like many graduates at the time, you bought a car, but you have to pay for the car. So you have to get a job. And I think I was very lucky in that I got a job with a, with a large organization. Um, it was in the financial industry. And I mean, the, the actual employer doesn't really matter at this stage, but what it gave me was exposure to large organizations and how they do big tech. And this is before, this is before social media or the Googles of the world. So my lucky journey is always had a STEM or a sort of logical mindset and then was exposed to companies involved in deep, deep problems using big systems. Excellent. Good. Yeah, no, quite a, quite a good pathway uh, over the last number of years, going from agriculture, farm life in, in rural Ireland uh, and then into London with a big, big organisation, um, Liam. And for those that don't know, um, you're currently CTO at DSST. Can you give us a yeah. few of, of the business and what that, that entails? Sure. Um, DSST, I won't say it scratches an itch, but certain industries lag behind others in technology. And I would say that, and apologies to any of your listeners, 
but I would say healthcare in general lags behind insurance, which lags behind investment banking, which probably lags behind the social media platforms and the software as a service providers. So um, personal story was typically in healthcare, it's, it's, it's a sort of a life-changing, uh, a life-changing event happens to, to yourself or a member of your family or a, or a close friend, and that happened to me. So I saw how healthcare works at the coalface. And being coming from a sort of a, I won't say cutting edge, but pretty professional IT organization, I did see a lot of things within healthcare that I won't say it uh, shocked me, but I saw a lot of improvements that could be made. Um, on the, so that's why we set up DSST. And what it does is it allows people to record uh, symptoms, observations, et cetera, about their health. Um, this is in the area of patient generated data or what's called real world data or real world evidence. And the, there's, there's why people would say, well, everyone's doing that. There's an, if you have a condition, there's an app for that is, is, is the typical response. So what we did was we thought we want to solve a bigger problem. And we were solving, we're solving it for not just one condition, but any condition. Um, most healthcare apps, the hundreds of thousands of them on, I, uh, on Google Play or, or the App Store, they always concentrate on a single condition for a single user in a single language. But having a single condition is not the reality. Um, well, it typically is the reality when you're young, but when you get old, you start off with no health conditions, then you get one and very rapidly you get two or three or four. Or you could be in a position where you are, you have young children and you have elderly parents. And they, 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 you, could, you could be caring for someone with dementia or you, could, or you could have a child with asthma or epilepsy. And having multiple different apps for all this is, I just see it as a, from an engineering perspective, quite inefficient and it's just data fragmentation. So DSST was created with the, with the goal to be a single point for a family for all their personal healthcare data collection needs. Excellent, excellent, very good, Liam. And Liam, we always like getting into success influencers. So what makes you want to succeed? It's a tough question. I would say, again, sort of harping back to the farm, mm -hmm. I was always very driven to see fruits of my labors or to have an impact. My idea of hell would be to be doing something that it really doesn't matter if you ever existed. So to have an impact and be, be that raising crops, raising animals, if you're a farmer, be it a producing software that makes it into production and solves a business need or solves a need if it was a retail app or solving problems. So I would say a drive to have an impact in what I do. I don't, uh, yes, it, as I said, it would be a form of health for me to realize that my, my time on, on earth was wasted. So yeah. a burning desire to make an impact. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners starting out in, a, in technology would have, they want to build software that has an impact. And people may call it cool, so cool <laughs> stuff. To work on cool stuff means to, the stuff has an impact. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, even, even obviously the great work that DSST um, are doing with the, the platform and to integrate everything and cancel out much of the noise that we see, you know, I think that's a, a great mission uh, as well, Liam, and what you're, you're doing within the marketplace. Um, we always like looking, I mean, obviously you're talking about 
the upbringing, you know, in rural Ireland, you know, the agriculture piece and moving to London and obviously working with some big organisations. What would you say has been the biggest challenge in your career to date? Stephen, there's been so many. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, but to filter it down, I, I actually thought of, I'm thinking about this now, the biggest challenges I've had have not been to do with, as a technologist, it has not been to do with technology. I mean, for your listeners starting out, yes, you will have tight deadlines. You will have, you'll be writing software or stuff just won't work, or it, you'll be banging your head against the wall to try and fix it. That's, that's par for the course for technology. If it's a hard problem, it's worth doing. So I would say to your listeners, as a software developer, you will have times when you will be on projects that are, it's a, it's a, a death march of, of it's, it's, it's a black hole of time and sweat. And it, there will be tough times like that, but that, that, that will happen. But that is not where I would think my biggest challenges have been. Um, a lot of the, I would say the biggest ones have been more around people and process than underlying technology. Um, yes, there will be times when uh, you will have toxic work colleagues you will have, they will have times where you, um, projects, blame games will start. Um, but in general, I would say technology, for technologists, the technology will not be the biggest challenges. They will be, you will solve those with your own brain power and you will get a lot of, you'll get a lot of satisfaction from that. I would say that it will be the interaction with managers, underlings, process, business culture, is where is where the the dragons will lie mm, interesting yeah so the overall human skills and, and stakeholder management um Liam I love that quote set the start as well if it's a hard problem it's worth doing what advice could you give to any aspiring software engineer in today's current market I would say okay first of all the good news is there is a lack of uh, technology uh, pool in the world today. It's and I know people are thinking that uh, AI and ChatGPT will 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 automate everything. No, it's not going to happen. There will there is still I think there's a huge untapped market for technology. STEM you will still have you will still have a pretty uh, pretty successful or you will there, there's lots of work to be done. Lots of interesting work as well. What I would say is personal personal traits that. Let's say personally for me as a hiring manager looking for people starting out is everyone is going to be hardworking. Everyone's going to put in huge hours. Everyone's going to be talented. You might have everyone's going to have certain experience in certain languages that they may think are the cool things of the day. But strange enough, the one thing I do look for is curiosity and willingness to learn it scores big in my book. So not to be afraid to learn stuff and yeah, it's it's be that a new technology, be that a new process, be that a new IDE, be whatever. As long as you enjoy learning, I don't think you will have a problem. Excellent. Yeah, that whole curiosity mindset, Liam. Um, I enjoy that. Liam, we always um, have an Ask the Cobites audience participation question. And this week's question actually is, what advice would you have for a software engineer who's Unsure about cross-training into a new language, which in this case is Golang, but we can keep it generalised, um, as they feel as could be limiting themselves as there aren't as many opportunities 
in this key area compared to the current language, which is Java. Right, Stephen. Interesting, interesting use of words there, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Cross-training versus I would have expected someone not to cross-train in a language, but to learn a language. So this is sort of mm-hmm. harping back to what we said about curiosity. I would say if you are interested in learning a language, go for it. And to be perfectly honest, if you ha- if you know if 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 this person already knows a language or is proficient in a language, learning a new one isn't that hard. And and after a few languages, they all sort of blend into each other. Um, I would personally, I would recommend that you should be deeply proficient or proficient in one language, and then be 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 able to uh, work in other languages. And it's not it's not just because I mean I'm I I'm a bit wary of people naming languages. For example, Golang or Python or Java and people get zealous about oh .net is terrible, Java is the only thing you should do, you're crazy. They said that about C, they said that it's been said about every language. It's always either you're crazy or you're brilliant. <laughs> so I I would say my advice would be if you want to learn the language learn it, but know the reasons you're learning it for. Are you learning it to upskill yourself? Are you learning it just because there seems to be a hot market for that particular skill set? I would say learning it just for a paycheck for, for a job posting is not, it, in the short term it may work, but you may end up with a skill set that you don't really, you're not really interested in. I would say if you learn any language, computer language deeply, learning other languages, are, it's, it's relatively easy. The, the, the syn, it's syntax changes, but the underlying concepts will be the same. So they'll all have conditional branching. They'll all have some sort of inheritance or object-oriented stuff. They will all have idiosyncrasies and all languages are terrible and all languages are brilliant in their own special way. So I would say, if you want to learn the language, do it. If you know a language already, it won't take you that long. It's always, it's, it's the first one is always the hardest. The first million is hard and then the second million is easy. Yeah. It's the same with computer languages. But I would say if you, if you learn one deeply, then you know, you've learned, you're gaining insights that you can apply to any languages. And so I, unfortunately, I have seen developers that are excellent in one language, but have no concept of how databases work or how you know, messaging works or how you write software without infinite resource. So I would say, Learn a language, learn one language deeply, but do not become so specialized that you're cutting yourself off from, from other, other, other areas or other problems yet to be solved. Yeah, perfectly. I mean, that's where obviously the, the curiosity, you know, comes in, which we'd spoken about previously. And like this, you know, it's something which we see, you know, on a daily basis where I think software engineers can put themselves under pressure with market conditions and hot markets, hot languages, and, you know, the feel that perhaps don't get left behind, you know, and that gives a little bit pressure, you know, on themselves, which um, which isn't healthy either at the same time. I mean, languages, they don't come out of thin air. So Golang as a language, if you knew Java, you would understand it. You You mightn't get deeper insights in it, but you could read it and you could look at it. And Golang, I think it was one of the developers of Golang was a developer of the B language, which became the C language. He's, he's an old gray beard like myself and all of these and Unix and Linux. So languages aren't created in isolation. They have a pedigree, they have a history and they inherit their idiosyncrasies as well. So if you know, if you knew Java, for example, you would, you would pick up Golang pretty quick. 
Uh, in fact, I would say that. And, and if you know Golang and Java, you would pick up Scala and you would pick up .NET type stuff, C Sharp. It's so they will blend into one eventually in that you will be able to read and learn a new language in a matter of weeks. Excellent, excellent, Liam. Great sort of advice there. Liam, this, this has been a great conversation. If people are keen to learn more about the great work that yourselves and, and DST are doing, how could they go about doing this? I'm more than happy to contact me. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, on LinkedIn and I'm where the, the paranoid security person in me says, do not never give out your email address, but I will break, I will break my own rules. Um, if you want to contact me, you can go to the, uh, the Noink website, which is the name of our platform. So it's N-O-I-N-K dot me. So thank you for Montenegro for that lovely top level domain. Uh, and yeah, and I can be found on LinkedIn. Brilliant, Liam. Well, listen, I'll, I'll hook that to the show notes as well, where people can uh, can go to. So, Liam, this, is, this has been a great conversation. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thanks very much, Stephen. And I, my last parting advice, and you, it, it's difficult to keep me quiet, but I would say <laughs> if you're a young developer, the world is your oyster. There are many, many difficult problems to be solved. There are many companies looking for bright young minds. And I would say it's a wonderful career to embark on. Brilliant. Great way to finish, Liam. Thank you. Thank you.